Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a championship edition of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Alongside me, once again, former high school football coach Mike Lockman. Mike, are you ready for this? I think I'm ready for this. All right. Uh, we're recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, the show's available Wednesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. And uh, again, before we get started, I uh, just want to remind everyone, if you haven't already, uh, now's a great time to pre-order your 2018 football yearbook. Uh, this is the third year that I've taken all of the football coverage at nh-highschoolsports.com, put it into a full-color magazine. All the stories and photos that have been on the site this season are there in a 60-plus page publication. Uh, it can be yours for just 59 bucks. To pre-order, go to nh-highschoolsports.com, click on the tab at the top of the page that says 2018 yearbook, and fill out your info, and you're good to go. And I will just say, if you haven't seen the yearbook, Joe's been kind enough to... You've been kind enough to, to, to give me a copy of that at the end of the year in the past. It's the only fair, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You've been kind enough the, to do all this. The thousands this, and you know. thousands of dollars you pay me to do this. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. the, the format that you use, kind of using the, the newspaper format with the photos and the sort of the columns of text and stuff, I, like, I really think that's cool. So it, it's a Thank really you. nice keepsake, too. Um, I'm not trying to plug or anything. I just I'm. No, go and plug away, please. <laughs> plug away. <laughs> I've told you in the past. I, I I'm a sucker yeah. for the media surrounding football as well, and I, I just think it's really nice. It's uh, I enjoy the final product. Uh, it's sometimes <laughs> it it's sometimes <laughs> grueling to put together every year. I say I'm yep. going to start this, you know, week one, and I'm just going to keep updating it, and that never happens. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's. Um, I think it's going to be another great one. Um, you know, a lot of great games this year. Um, I think three more, you know, pretty exciting games coming up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, like I said, a lot of photos in it. Um, you know, just if it's something that, you know, you think, uh, you know, you think you, you need some way to, you know, remember this season, I, I definitely would recommend. Uh, and, yes, part of that is because I'm putting it out myself. But <laughs> uh, I, think it's, I think it's worthwhile. Um, so as we said, championship edition um we're finally here last week of the season uh th three title games coming up on saturday yep. um you know some kind of not surprises some kind of surprises yeah a rematch um you know and a and a, a, a team that um you know I, well we can start talking with because i was at that game uh but a team in pinkerton that you know i think maybe at the beginning of the year we thought was going to be there Certainly didn't take the road that uh, many of us would have guessed nope. to get there. Um, actually becoming the first team in Division One since the format change in 2013 to go on the road, win two games yep. to get to Durham. Two tough games. Right. Two, two games against two rivals. Yeah. Uh, just in bad conditions. Yep. Um, you know, the field at, at Londonderry two weeks or in the quarterfinals was just a, a mess. Yeah. Salem's Field this past Saturday, not much better. Um, but it, it it took away again Pickerton's outside rushing attack. Yeah. Um, you know, but they, I they look like they belonged in in the mud. Yeah. Um, just ran all over Salem, shut them down on offense, rolled to a win. Yeah, yeah. which was a bit of a surprise. I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, again, I I love leaning back on my cliche about it's hard to beat a good team twice, but wouldn't have expected the score to be that different and I, I um 
it doesn't surprise me that Pinkerton won. I, I, I would have picked Pinkerton to win in that circumstance. Um, they went over there and pulled the upset off last year, so it was familiar territory for those guys that were coming back and had started in that game. I'm surprised at how it happened, though. I, it was pretty definitive. I mean, it was it was a six nothing game at halftime, and it felt like it should have been about twenty to nothing. Yeah. Um, and not just because Pinkerton missed all its extra points, um, right. yeah. <laughs> because the wind was again was was pretty brutal. Yeah, right. Um, that really had a big effect on it. Um, but it it was it was a game. I mean, not so much because of what. Pinkerton, Pinkerton did offensively in that first half, but what they did defensively, they gave up. Salem had, I want to say, like 75 yards in the first half. 60 of that came on one play, yeah. where they hit a big pass play on their second drive, got downfield, and then did nothing. Um, and that's the way a lot of it went. I mean, they had four first downs. Two of those came on the final touchdown, the touchdown drive that they had yeah. really late in the game. So they basically had one first down in the first half and one first down in the second half. Wow. Just they couldn't do anything. It's that diverse uh, a ground attack. I mean, so Will Michaud, who had 200 something yards the prior week. Uh, I don't remember what he had off the top of my head, but, but no one had more than, I want to say, like 35. Yeah. Um, it was. Um, and then you had. Um, not, not entirely. I mean, I definitely did not expect that. No. Um, well, and, you know, it may have played to Pinkerton's strengths, too, because you had, I think we had Gannon Fast at certainly over 100 yards. and 160-something yards, I believe. Yeah, um, that's a huge performance in those kind of conditions. So, uh, yeah, th- you know. And, and S- Salem didn't help itself at times, too, with some penalties. Um, you know, specifically um, early in the fourth quarter, they get the ball at their own 20 after a punt, and they go all the way back to their one-yard line. And end up having to punt from the end zone. It gets blocked. Actually, it was Gannon Fast recovered it in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, a game goes from being 18 nothing, where it's, you know. Still within reach. You, you think maybe yeah. if they break something, yep. you know, some momentum swings. But 24 nothing at that point, And they hadn't, again, hadn't moved the ball. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, it was a um, really tough game, um, you know, for Salem. And on the other side, well, so that was a 37 game. 32-7, I should say. That. Yep. Um, the other side, you got Bedford um, playing one of its closest games of the year and still wins by 22 points, 30-8 right. uh, to eight over Merrimack. Right. Um, that one, Bedford got out to, what, a 21 nothing lead yep. on its first three possessions. Yep. So kind of like what happened in the regular season where Bedford scored on all six first-half possessions, um, just that Merrimack was eventually able to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was exactly what we said Merrimack couldn't do, which was get out to the slow start, make the turnover mistake early, um, which has been the, uh, which was the bug that sort of yeah it was bit like them everything they couldn't do, they did yeah, and it's even more painful when you think the first that first interception that Dowling threw was a tipped ball if I'm not mistaken, and I mean that's that's always a tough one. I mean even as a coach, depending on how it went right, but like. Those are fluky things, right? You can't really blame the quarterback for making a bad read or a bad decision or throwing in double coverage. It's like the ball gets tipped. It's anybody's game at that point. But, man, we we said going into that game, they have to iron out those first quarter blues that they've had. And um, the fast start by Bedford combined with a a badly timed turnover. And, you know, it sounded like um, 
you know, Merrimack battled back to start the second half with an Eichmann uh, fueled drive. They had great field position. Uh, I can't remember if it was the first possession of the of the second half or whether it was um, after a Bedford punt, but they ended up with really good field position to start a drive. You know, it was probably a 50-some-odd yard drive and banged it in with Eichmann, but that was kind of the end of the of the gave of them gave capability. you know made it uh, gave themselves a little hope for a moment yeah. there and then and the fans just couldn't right? yeah like, hey, maybe this is gonna yeah. be a game you know you come right out you bang eight points in it's you know it's a it, that that's a doable game especially when you think about the type of athletes and firepower that Merrimack has hey they could come back if they start if they iron some of those things out and Bedford's Bedford's a good team so who um, who do you give the advantage to on Saturday? It's kind of I mean you you on the one side you've got Bedford, who has blown everyone out this year. Um, yeah, as we said, Saturday was their closest game and they still won by three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, only the second time this year they've they've been held under forty points, um, and the other game was in the season opener against North. Um, you know they've averaged forty five points a game this year and given up nine unbelievable um but you look on the other side pinkerton while their maybe offense hasn't been as prolific at times their defense has been right there um pinkerton's defense has averaged i think 13 plus points a game yep. um you know they've only given up more than 15 twice um certainly have been in more adverse situations yeah how much of that is more depth on that side of the division or is it, it it's hard, hard to, to say, say. <laughs> it's hard to say where what is the level like where yeah is is bedford bedford's offense that much better um or did they just not play as good a teams i, I mean obviously they played good teams but yeah. are they not as good as the ones on the other side of the division and it's hard to say because they don't have a lot you know, we were talking before. There's no, there's no commonality in opponents. So you can't Absolutely look at it and none. Come up with measures. You know, yeah. so I don't know. I guess if I were to look at it, I would. You hit a point that I would say is in Pinkerton's favor, which is the resiliency and the the adversity overcome. Right? They've battled through a lot of things. They haven't had a perfect season by any stretch, but they've had to overcome some things. I mean, the winning they had against Londonderry in those conditions. Londonderry is a really good team. And they beat Londonderry twice. Um, so at, at Londonderry, at Londonderry too. Yeah. Which in that kind of a rivalry uh, environment is very difficult to do. So in that way, I would say Pinkerton has an advantage, maybe psychologically, mentally, because they have battled through some tough times. But on the other side, I look at Bedford's just athletes. And I was going to say, they their, have their so line. many more weapons yeah. than I think anyone else that Pinkerton has played this year. And that's it. You, you just hit it. That yeah. Pinkerton has played what I would say is one really high-quality team that is similar in makeup to Bedford. To Bedford. And that's, and that's Londonderry. L- right, Londonderry. The other well, teams have been... And, and you look, too, um, granted it was two months ago, Dover also in the similar mold in terms of you know formation and style scored 28 points against Pinkerton. Yes. Um, you know, and that was um, Coach O'Reilly mentioned it after Saturday's game, and someone asked him about being able to contain Salem's running game versus Londonderry's running game, and it's like night and day yeah. because Londonderry spread, you know, spread team spreads yep. out the defense. Yep. Bedford's going to do the same thing. Yep. Um, it's just a matter of how much, I guess, how much better is Pinkerton's defense than maybe any one that Bedford's seen this year. Yeah. 
But also, like I said, how many more weapons does Bedford have? I mean, yeah, they can. Maybe they can focus on Ryan Toscano and trying to take him away. But then you've got to worry about <laughs> Thomas Morgan <laughs> running the ball, or um, you know some of the other guys maybe getting the, the receivers getting the yeah. the ball. You, you have to pick your poison and hope that somebody yeah. else has a yes. bad day because those are all good players. Yeah. Um, or the other thing is, you know, if Pinkerton's able to get an early lead, uh, it, let's say like two touchdowns. Um, Bedford's only trailed twice this year, yeah. they, you know, and by seven points both yep. times. Bishop Girton and, and, and Goffstown in the first quarter of each of those games. Um, I mean, what what does that do if, you know, if, if Bedford, all, you know, they come out and all of a sudden they find themselves down 14 nothing yeah. in the first quarter? Yeah, I, you I, would think that Coach O'Reilly's plan has got to be to strike first and strike fast. But, you know, the, the tough part is Pinkerton's not necessarily built that way. They've got a lot of speed on the outside that they haven't been able to use the last two right. weeks of the points so that, that you made. So they might be itching to get something going, but... They've made their money between the tackles with fast and some of their wingbacks, but not. They've taken chunks, but they yeah. haven't been a, a fast break kind of team. So they had a little bit more of that this past week um, against Salem. But you're right; they have not been able to utilize the outside running game. Which Saturday, I, I mean, I, last I looked, it's supposed to be a, a, a kind of dry day, yeah. but and the it's, field conditions it, that it's not going to matter. Gonna be beautiful. It's going to be a, you know, it's a game on turf, so yeah. it, you know, there's no mud. I'd be really weird if there was mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we better hope there's no mud. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, the flip is also true of Bedford, though, which defensively, which is we were, we were talking before the, the, uh, the we started here, which is there's nobody in that cluster, really, that runs a run-oriented offense. It's almost yeah. all spread. I mean, the closest thing was Central, and they adapted to Alex Hockham this year, and they kind of spread things out, too, as opposed to running their – their pro eye set so i mean they still ran it but not a whole lot so that's the other flip of this is bedford is not used to stopping a team that can be patient and run the ball for three four or five yards a pop um you know with multiple blocking schemes and things like that so i don't know it's an interesting matchup you asked who i'd give the advantage to at the end of the day i'd, I'd give the advantage to bedford because i think i think bedford's offense probably is a tough matchup for what Bedford's offense is their strength. Not that their defense isn't. They're both very good, but Bedford's offense is a tough matchup for what I think Pinkerton is used to seeing. The uh, the forecast for Saturday as of as of right now, Tuesday night, um, sunny, forty three during the day, ten percent chance of rain. Um, night, low of twenty four, ten percent chance of rain. Wind seems to be pretty reasonable, 10 miles, 5 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a nice it, November, yeah. late November day. I sure hope so. Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> since we're supposed to get snow the day before. Yeah. It now looks like. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's let's get to the other. We got two other games to talk about here. Um, kind of, I guess, the su biggest surprise uh, we've got, well, not surprise, is that Plymouth is in another Division yeah. Two championship game. They're, th they're third in a row. Uh, fourth in the last um, six years um, since the format changed to three division, yep. three and four divisions. Um, the surprise is who's on the other side of the field. Uh, Alvern, who right. up until two weeks ago had never won a playoff game, is now undefeated in the playoff, 2-0 in, in playoff games. Yeah. Needed a um, just a miracle comeback against St. Thomas there. Um unlike what they were able to do during the regular season where they yeah. couldn't couldn't 
complete the comeback. They come back. I th score with le what less than a minute left. It was I, I believe. Seconds or twenty-eight yeah. seconds or something. I mean, it was the same kind of thing that they did to um, Milford, which during was the regular season. Yeah, yeah. for me, yeah. that was a shocking win as well. I think we had talked about that. Uh, you know, that week, saying you know I would have penciled in Milford as a as a win there, and uh, and Milford was in control of that game, and. They ended up coming back, mounting a big comeback and winning. So no stranger to this sort of cardiac uh, <laughs> style of football. Um, and, and I had mentioned in a tweet that I put out that morning, I mean, a much more successful result this time dropping divisions than last time when I think they right. won two or three games in, in 2012. So regardless of whether they win or not they're in a championship game in division two after dropping down do they do they get moved back up next year Move them back no up. they 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 can't <laughs> i think they're in division two, two for the rest. Cycle, yeah two right? year yeah. cycle so yeah. they'll be there for another year but uh you know if they uh they replicate this and for another year because they're pretty young yeah um i think that's probably what what you're going to see happen but you know just you know it's it's good to see them having success but it's tough to sit here at the same time and say, oh, just, you know, Cinderella story. Or yeah, they've yeah, got, yeah, you know, true. they're, right. I'm, I'm surprised. They're fighting against that perception. Yeah, there's, they're a big school yeah. playing against a lot of little schools. Yeah, what are they, 13, 12, 1,200 15? kids. 1,200? Yeah, okay, 1,200 yeah. even, yeah. I think, going with the enrollment numbers for, for yeah. this, this year. Yeah, I mean, what when it becomes a good story is if and when they go back up in two years and they're and far th more competitive yeah. than they were when they made the decision to move down. If they come back in and they're competing every year, then you shrug and you say, hey, you know what? Okay, I can stomach that. And, and I think that's, that ends up being a great story. You, can't, you won't be able to gauge that for another two years, but, but, uh, but it was a shocker because St. Thomas had all the experience and a ton of talent and had won some tough games this year when you think about Milford and Oh yeah, they, I mean, they had... They had been able to hang on in all of those close games right. that they played earlier this year. Right. Um, so Alvern has some intangibles that you'd have to give them credit for yeah. to be able to overcome, uh, you know, who was the clear favorite, I would say. So like Division One, um, this is a meeting of teams that did not play during the regular season with Alvern and Plymouth. Yeah. Um, actually, I suppose we should probably – talk a little bit about Plymouth's win because right. they did a f you know they looked like they were just going to steamroll Sauhegan early in that game got out to a big lead and then all of a sudden it's 28-21 yeah and then they and took then care of business yeah right yeah. yeah I mean Sauhegan kind of did what they've done all year and it was sort of a toss-up as to whether they were going to come out as a, a win or a loss in those things but Sauhegan just never gave up and took advantage of opportunities and um uh, yeah, I mean to be down seventeen nothing was it seventeen nothing in the in the. I in think the so. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And be in that em enemy territory with all that history, of, you know, being a great team, but then always coming up short, at the hands of Plymouth, and ignoring all that and just continuing the battle, uh, I think made it a great game. But at the end of the day, like I said last week, right, heart versus head. I, I would have loved to have seen. Um, Sauhegan do what they were probably capable of doing it to some level, which is pulling off the upset, but you almost kind of had to know that Plymouth was just going to take care of business there. I mean, Owen... Um, Owen Brickley, Brickley, I was just going to say, um, you know, he had 
248 yards rushing, yeah. three touchdowns, and wasn't their leading rusher. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm. Uh, where's this fellow's first name? Pat Malm. Yeah. He played a little bit last year for them. Uh, 259 yards rushing and two, two touchdowns. Two rushers. almost 250 plus yard rushers. Something about running the football. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, in the cold of November. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's, and I think we're gonna. I mean, it's gonna get be more of that on on Saturday. Yeah. Um, with both of them, I, I you know, and and like as I started to say, we don't have a, a regular season game to go off of with this matchup, but we, what we do have that's not there in Division One are common opponents. Yeah. Both teams, their one common opponent was John Stark. I, I take that back. John Stark and St. Thomas, they did both play um, both. Yep. Both of them beat John Stark. Both of them beat St. Thomas, although, like as we said, Alvern did lose to them during the regular season. Um, I don't know how much you really draw from either one of those, um, especially because I believe Plymouth's game against John Stark was like the second week of the season. Yeah, yeah um, it was very early. Know, very, very early in the year. And and I believe the game against St. Thomas, that was one of their worst games of the year for St. Thomas. Um, you know, but you look back on that, Plymouth beats John Stark 27-13. Um, you know, I think Alvern had a pretty close... Actually, Alvern needed another last-second win, I believe, against John Stark, Stark when they played... Um, who who was, was it? Twelve, twelve six. Yeah, it was an overtime. Yeah, game. overtime game. Yeah. Twelve six. It final. was like it was six six, and all the scoring took place. Right, on that's the, right. I think it was the opening first drives. drives. Yeah, you're right. Now <laughs> that you mention that, yeah, it was a shutdown for the rest of the game. Incredible. You know, I don't know. I mean, I would say that experience would. I mean, has got to be in Plymouth's favor. Obviously, it, of course, it's in Plymouth's yeah. favor. Yeah, it is. But how much of a factor is it? I would say maybe more so. Except that Alvern didn't have doesn't have the experience of any of this yeah and and they've been able they've been just fine it's hard because you're now you're gauging emotion and uh whatever you want to call it that x factor of like how high alvern must be running in terms of believing in themselves and that anything is possible versus the steadfast sort of historical success level that plymouth has uh, you know they have that sort of workmanlike attitude uh, almost sort of Bill Belichicky in, in nature, right? Like, hey, you know, business isn't finished till it's finished. So you've got that sort of workmanlike success uh, story versus where I would imagine Alvern is right now, which is like anything is possible, and and we can do and achieve anything as a team. Th those are two very different um, mindsets for programs to have going into a championship game. So I think that makes this an intriguing story for those two teams. Um, I, I would have to give the nod to to Plymouth. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think Alvern's been an underdog, comfortably so, by the way, uh, in in through this whole postseason. So you could almost say the whole season. Really? Yeah. I, I, I would. I wouldn't. You know. Maybe. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, of course, that game kicks off at two thirty Saturday yep. at, at UNH. The first game of the day, a rematch of last year's Division Three championship game, uh, Campbell versus Monadnock. Yep. Uh, last year, Campbell wins that game 12-8 to on a fourth-quarter touchdown and then a defensive stand at the end. Uh, probably the most entertaining game of the day yeah. last year. I shouldn't say probably. It was the most entertaining game of the day yep. last year. Uh, this year, there seems to be quite a few people who think that this is going to be a bit of a, a Monadnock blowout um, based off of the fact that 
when they met in the regular season, Monadnock won 36-14. Yeah. Um, they have been cruising, uh, Monadnock has. Um, that 14 points was the most they've given up in a game going back to late September. Um, you know, a couple shutouts in there. They beat, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Who did they do? Hillsborough, Deering, Hopkinton last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a game that and, was a much better game, by the way. Yeah, the than the first time around. Um, you know, Campbell, uh, really, since that forfeit that they, they got, um, since Interlake Smoltenboro forfeited that game to them um, back on October 13th, I mean, they've they've lost they lost to Monadnock. They lost at home to Lebanon. Yep. Scored 30 points combined in both those games. Yep. Then last week they beat Stevens eight nothing. Yeah. In a game that was scoreless at halftime. Yeah. And, and they lose Keegan, Keegan Mills, Mills again. Was carried off the field. Yeah. So that's not a good sign. No. For our friends from Litchfield. No. Um, <laughs> no. Um, you know. So I. I I think maybe many people are justified in thinking that maybe this is going to be a runaway, but, you know, it really wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. I mean, how many times, you know, has, like you said, it's tough to beat a team twice in one season. Yeah. Um, how many times has, has someone gotten to this point and, I mean, you put everything out on the line, you know, and, and, and you know, not all the time, but sometimes it pays off. Yeah. I'm reluctant to call a, a favorite in that one. I mean, your you know your math and your objectivity would tell you that by far Minadnock would be the favorite. I mean, it, th- it's hard to argue, right? I mean, Hillsborough Deering was m- far more alive in that game this weekend than uh, you might have expected them to be, given again the sort of objective, sort of mathematical analysis of it, but. Um, you know, you look at Campbell beating Stevens. Was it eight nothing? Eight nothing. Yep. I would have expected more. Right. Uh, and that's no disrespect for S- to Stevens at all. I think Stevens had a uh, had a tremendous surge at the end of the year, but I would have expected more there uh, out of a Campbell victory. And they, it's like we said, we talked about Sauhegan peaking at just the right time may have given them uh, a, a, a hope against Plymouth. Well, Campbell's almost been the opposite. They've sort of not been peaking at, at the right time. Right, like they've, yeah. they've sort of been in a in a an inconsistent mode for a while. But to your point, these are two relatively familiar with each other opponents. They have the history of last year's game. Campbell's been uh, on a ride of success for the past three or four years. I think fourth meeting between the teams in three years. Yeah, sounds. I think that sounds right. Um, so. I think it promises to be an interesting game. I think a lot of it, um, I feel bad saying this, but a lot of it hinges on whether Keegan Mills is able to play or not because, I mean, he averages, I, I don't know, but I mean, how many times have you read 208 yards on 25 carries or 227 yards on 30 carries? I mean, he's just yeah, he's yeah. the guy. Um, you lose the guy, <laughs> that's I mean, tough. And Monadnock returns so many kids from that team that played there last year. Um, Chandler Matson, 151 yards last week. Tim Hart um, was over 100 yards last week yeah. as well. You know, those kids are a year better, a year hungrier. I, I, I just, I, I think if I had to pick a team, I think I'm leaning towards Monadnock just because of that experience. And that they just seem to be on a mission this year. Yeah. Um, and their defense has just been their defense so has been good. ridiculous. I mean, negative rushing yards for 
some of these these uh, against some of these teams that you've read about. You know, I mean, holding them to negative rushing yards. Um, they have uh, let's see, five shutouts this year. Um, two other games where they only allowed six points, and then four games where they've allowed double-digit points, including the playoff game this past weekend. Yep. Um, but no more than 16 all season. Yeah. And that was uh, a 35-16 win over Lebanon that they fell behind, I believe, 16 nothing. At yeah, one there point, was a point where you were looking back. at yeah. that saying, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I have to think that this is Manadnock's season. Um, they're, just, they're just so strong, and they're so aggressive, and they're well-experienced, and – They've got all the revenge motivation they need in this rematch. So that's a tough one. One championship already decided yeah. uh, last week. The Division Four championship won by Winnesquam, who uh, managed who finished the season undefeated. They had to, um, you know, they were a team that, that won pretty comfortably all year and then needed some... Um, Late game heroics, I believe, to to get back and and beat Franklin, yeah, uh, nineteen fourteen. Um, you know they, uh, I blanking on the name. Philip Nichols, um, their quarterback, um, tossed a late touchdown pass to uh, Gunnar Horman for the the winning points in that yeah. game. Um, you know, but they'd been down, um, you know, not too much before that, I believe. Just, you know kind of a surprise in the sense that they had won so handily throughout the year but it's a great story because it's exactly what we were just talking about with regard to you know if there's any perceived hole in Bedford's chances it was you know your idea of hey they haven't really faced a whole lot of adversity other than being down by seven a couple times to BG and to um and to uh Gosstown so so that that's a great story for Winnesquam because they in the, in the moment where it mattered the most, arguably the only moment where it matters in the championship game, you're down. You haven't really been in that position all year. How do you react? Playmakers pulled it off. Yeah, so good story for them. So Saturday's it. Last, uh, the three championship games. Of course, some Thanksgiving games coming up. Yep. Um, we are actually going to do two more shows. Um one next week to wrap up the championship games and then one the following week to wrap up the season. Yep. Um, you know, w I think um, looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to a couple more chances to really take a look at this year. Hard to believe that, that 2018 um, is pretty much in the books. Yeah, it goes uh, by so fast. Yeah, yeah. Will, uh, are you, you making the trek to Durham? Are you gonna are you gonna stay and watch these games in the, the comfort of your, your home on uh, streaming them on online? I'm hoping to get there. Yeah, I I, uh, I I actually had every intention of going out this past weekend and uh, family circumstances were complicated. I was just like, ah, I can't do that. But uh, I I have already paved the road to say, hey, I, I think I'm gonna be at UNH this weekend. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep a keep a seat open for you in the All press right, box then. Uh, he is Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. I'm Joe Marcellina. You've been listening to the Ninth State Sports Show at nh-highschoolsports.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>